In the Hebrew, the term is Vayikra. That's the, because the book of Genesis, Barashit, is the first word. Barashit's in the beginning, that's Genesis. And the next four books all start with the word V, which means and. So Vayikra is like and, and that begins then the beginning of. And the, the idea of it is, is that the whole Torah, the whole first five books are one consistent thought. That's the idea here. It's one consistent book. In our last four chapters, five chapters, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15, five chapters, we have looked at the word unclean. And we've seen the word more in those chapters than the entire rest of the Bible combined. The word clean more in those chapters than the rest of the Bible combined. It's a pretty serious issue. And we've seen in regards to eating things that, that are good and eating things that aren't. And God makes law. He doesn't want us eating things, at least back then. He doesn't want you eating things that he knows are dangerous for you. He doesn't want you eating things that he knows could become a ritual for you. He doesn't want you eating things that are going to make you look like the world and things that are somehow you're going to try to get the power from and all the things that the world will teach you in crazy ways. Today, perhaps, he would tell you, stop trying to hang rocks around your neck for the purpose of getting magic power from them. I mean, it's the same kind of idea today. Beyond that, he moves then from food, if you remember, to childbirth. And he talks about when a woman gives birth to a child, that she's to take some time off. Isn't that terrible, ladies, that God does that for you? And he does it for more than one reason. He knows you're going to need it, but also because he knows that you're susceptible, having lost blood and other liquids, other fluids, he knows that you're going to be susceptible to disease because you've now, in many cases, there are open running sores and there are other things that need to heal that make you very vulnerable to disease. And God says, I want you set aside. I want you taking some time and resting, not getting in the general assembly where there's going to be a lot of things floating around and pathogens and so forth. God knows this. What a good God we serve. And then he went from that to leprosy. And it was interesting because with leprosy, and by the way, with the foods he called clean and unclean, in regards to the time he calls it unclean and then clean when you're able to go back in, clean in the idea of it that you're safe, clean in the idea of it that you're safe for others, but also safe to not get something from others as easily. And then he went to leprosy. The priest was the one to observe leprosy, not the doctor. And there were specific rules, and it was very technical for good reason. He actually, you want to make sure that he looks at you carefully and looks at you right. He has the right guide so that he doesn't call you a leper when you're not, so that you don't wind up in a leper colony when you don't belong there. On the other side, he doesn't want to not call you one. You don't want him to not call you one if you are, because you don't want to get your whole family infected. What a great God. When he calls it clean and unclean. And then we went to the last chapter. Bodily discharges. And what he says was something that other people didn't know. That diseases are transmitted through fluids. Go figure. You sneeze on someone. You cough on someone. You bleed on someone. You borrow someone's contacts. um, Or you get close and intimate with someone. Those fluids exchanged carry potential diseases one of the reasons why God's so big on monogamy, and that means being married to one person. 
And God tells you that when those things happen, you are susceptible and other people are susceptible through those things. So he doesn't want you hanging out with a lot of other people. And the things that you've bled on and put those fluids on, he doesn't want those things around other people either because it still can be transmitted through those fluids, whether they're in you, on you, or on something else. And he calls it clean and unclean. But that's a little easier, right? You sneeze on the tablecloth. We could say that tablecloth is unclean. We can all agree on that one very easily. It isn't like any of you would be drawn then to want to rub that all over your face. But it's funny, God even has to make sure that you know that. But this beautiful climax in all of this is he starts telling you, clean, unclean, clean, unclean, unclean. And with the bodily discharges, unclean is mentioned more in that chapter. That That is the apex. And just like any good m- music where everything kind of gets exaggerated, it gets louder and it intensifies and it gets more and more frequent. Bum, 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 bum. Have you ever, any of you ever seen Jaws? Remember that one? Oh, it starts out. Bum, bum. Let's go swimming in the water. Bum, bum. Look, we're just splashing and having fun, frolicking in the water. <laughs> and you know as it gets louder and it intensifies, people are screaming before that, that fish jump that mechanical fish jumps out and mechanically eats someone. Some people were never able to surf again. Not me. And in the same way, God intensifies through these chapters. And there's this big intensifying and this intensifying. Clean, unclean. Clean, unclean. Unclean, 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 unclean. And then he gets to this chapter. And this chapter is where the whole thing disperses. If that keeps going, you're going to have a heart attack. Somewhere down the line, the the balloon has to pop sooner or later, or you're just going to go mental. Then he gets this, this chapter, this beautiful chapter on what he calls Yom Kippur. And Yom means day to this day. Yom Tov means good day. And Kippur or Kefer means covering. It does not mean removal. It is not the day of removal. It is the day of covering. And might I say today, as I would any, please don't just believe me. Don't just assume it's true because I say so. Search the scriptures. Let the Bible always have the final say. But let me give you an idea. The first time that kafir is used actually is with Noah when God says, take that ark and cover it in pitch. The term pitch is kafir. And the idea of it is, if that, and then we get the idea that's sort of a sap or resin that kind of is waterproof. If that doesn't cover the boat, well, the boat's not going to float. And my question to you is, are you covered today? Are you covered today or is your boat not going to float? Sometimes I'm like, well, you know, people say, well, I imagine if we all had that kind of common phrase. And someone says, well, I believe we should just be able to go to heaven if we pet our dogs. And you say, that boat ain't going to float. Well, I believe we should give all of our money to charity and that'll be just fine. That boat ain't going to float. I believe if I could kiss the Pope's foot, that boat ain't going to float. <laughs> I hear angels. Sorry. It is the only annual feast that you are required to fast. And if you don't, Leviticus twenty three twenty nine says you get cut off. And what that means is you get kicked out. That doesn't mean they lop off your head. 
And here's the way that this whole thing starts. Take a look at it with me. As we prepare for this, and we'll have a little bit of demonstration here today. That's part of the fun. We prepare for it by saying for the week that we have, which we call a week of repentance. Here's a simple phrase, and let's see if we all would say it. First, it's three words. The first word is gemar. Can you say gemar? Say it again. Gemar. Chatima. Not bad. Gemar Khatima. You're tight. Gemar Khatima. Third word. Tova. Gemar Khatava Tova. Your turn. Now some of you are even Hebrew in here, so I expect you guys to really tear it up. For the rest of all the Goyim that are here. Gemar Khatima Tova. Your turn. It means may you be sealed or written in the book of life. Isn't that kind of a nice thing? It's kind of God's book of life. And we say this for a week because we recognize that our sin leaves us in a state of unsurety in regards to this perfect, holy God. Now understand, here is the problem as we go into this, because he starts this chapter with, after the death of his sons. Do you remember chapter 10? God responds, he makes himself so clear, and then two of Aaron's own boys, high priests in training, or should we say, hapits, high priests in training, um, Come running out and offer profane fire. And God goes, blam! And we got two boys extra crispy right there. And that's the end of it. And imagine, nothing ruins a worship service like children dying. Now, we don't know how old they are. We assume they're actually quite a bit older. But please understand why. Because God says, look, if you're going to approach me, I have to be viewed as holy. And here becomes the problem. You see, God presents things that should not be able to live together, but they do. And here's one. God is holy, dwells in inapproachable light, perfect in every way, almighty, invincible, inconquerable, immeasurable. The heaven of heavens cannot contain him, and he is as pure as anything could ever be pure, absolutely, completely absent of sin and anything filthy. That's how holy he is. Dwelling in inapproachable light. Do you know what inapproachable light means? You can't get, you can't approach, right? That's what inapproachable means. That's one side. Here's the other side. God came to earth to be with us. God wants fellowship with us. How does a totally gross, guilty, filthy sinner hang out with a God that's totally holy and perfect and pure? That's the paradox. Does that make sense? And the problem is we can lean on one or the other. And can I say, this is the history of the church. Allow me to explain. Oh, no time. Let me sum up. On one side, the church really fires onto this holy issue. And the idea of it is God is so holy, we can't get near him. So if we can't get near him, well, here's what we need to do. We need to light candles. We need to create like, you know, walls and like find a couple people that seem holier than us and give them like cool little pointy hats and cover them and and run that make them run behind things where we can't see and splash some stuff and maybe in the end we can sit in a box next to him because god's so holy he only lets us talk to his mother that's one side and that does still happen 
And then it swings to the other side where it's like, hey, God's like our homeboy, man. We like hang out together. We like wear the same jeans. We go for a hot dog, you know, not even the Hebrew national. And we just hang out and we're like, what's up, Jesus? Yeah, what's up, G? You know, that kind of thing. The problem is if you have one or the other, both of those are extreme, but they're both extreme, almost right and totally wrong. Because they emphasize one side but not the other. You see, the whole idea of making God holy, I appreciate. Big, beautiful buildings that seem glorious and radiate light and shine these colors in upon our faces. That's cool to me now. It didn't used to be, but it's cool to me now. Because I understand the idea of wanting to make God holy. You want to walk in a building and not think that you're in a Macy's. You don't think, wow, this is another Primark. You don't want that here. And so on one side, here you are, and God's so holy that you want to walk in, and you should be shocked that God would want to give us the time of day. I mean, really, let's be honest. But the problem is, if you only emphasize that and you don't see the other side of it, you forget that he actually desires a relationship with us, and you won't want a relationship with a God that's that holy that doesn't want you. Why would you? But if you go to the other side of it, you totally see the idea of God being totally approachable, but then you rip out all of his holiness, and all of a sudden Jesus, like, then you have to, like, have sessions on how to forgive Jesus because he made your day rough, or, I mean, things that are so blasphemous, it makes me nauseous. I've heard one guy that was leading worship once, if you want to call it that, and he was like, oh, God, you're so worthy of our forgiveness. What in the world does that mean? God's worthy of our forgiveness? Out of God's kindness, he didn't go, let me just show you, blam, forgive that. I mean, he didn't thank the Lord he didn't do that. So please understand, when God starts this chapter, he does it to put both together. The idea of Yom Kippur is a day where both happen. Because somehow in all of this, God still wants to be with his people. Somehow in all of this, he wanted to set up a tent. And that tent, he's like, let's go camping. I'm going to set up my tent in the middle. Who wants to hang out with me? The farther inside the tent or the farther inside the camp you go, the deeper inside the camp, the more you hang out with God. The more you hang out on the fringe. You know, I only come near the tent on Christmas and Easter or whatever. Well, you know what that is. That's hanging out on the fringe. You don't expect to have the same intimacy that somebody that's actually hanging out inside the camp. So this chapter starts with the death of those sons. To be reminded that God is not something just that we toy with and we have a right to make up on our own. Does that make sense? Let's be honest. If we just took that and really pondered it, our minds should explode out of our heads and be totally thankful that this perfect holy God still wants to be with a perfectly filthy person. You know how he does it? He died for us so that he can make this perfectly filthy person perfectly holy in his sight. How crazy is that? I mean, isn't it great that he writes the rules? Exactly how would you have made that better? So here we are saying to the you know, may you be sealed in God's book of life. Okay, read the chapter with me, would you? Leviticus 16, verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they had offered profane fire before the Lord and died. So understand when God says do this or die, I think he means it. What do you think? And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron your brother not to come at just any time inside the holy place, inside the veil, into the holy place, inside the veil, before the mercy seat, which is on the ark, lest he die. For I will appear in a cloud above the mercy seat. Thus Aaron shall come into the holy place with the blood of a young bull, as a sin offering, and a ram, 
is a burnt offering. How many offerings is that? Two. Excellent. What are they? Sin and burnt. Sin and burnt. What are the animals? Young bull and a ram. Nice. He shall put the holy linen tunic. He shall put on the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash. With a linen turban he shall be attired. How many pieces of clothing is he wearing? Four. Nice. Take a look. How many? What are they? The linen tunic and the linen and the linen and the linen. Now, hey, if you're kind of where you're used to like not talking, this church may drive you crazy for the moment. Let's try that again. Come on now. Come on. It was right in the text. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You just have to be able to read. Verse four. You shall put on the first thing is the holy linen. Thank you. That's three more. Linen. Nice. And then linen. Yes. And the linen. How many pieces of clothing? Four. How many sacrifices so far? Nice. Do you remember what they were? Sin and burnt. What were the animals? Ram and a bull. Beautiful. Look at that. And then he shall take... Those are for him. Verse 5. And he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats as a sin offering and one ram as a burnt offering. Are these offerings the same offerings? What are they? Uh, what, what are these offerings? Sin and burnt. What were the other ones? Sin and burnt. They're the same offerings, but different animals. Well, somewhat. What was the burnt offering for Aaron? A ram. What was the burnt offering here for the congregation? A ram. So, same for burnt. But this case, it's different for the sin. Do you see that? What was it for Aaron's sin? It was a bull. See, hey, look, some of you are getting this. And you're going, I can't take all this. I don't get all this. Don't worry. It's all going to work out. Here, there are two animals. What are they? Two kids. Oh, the goats. Okay, see, look at Someone's getting it. Thank you. And we're probably getting that recorded, which is good. Verse 6. Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. Notice the word atonement. He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And if you've ever heard that term, this is where it comes from. Scapegoat is short for escape goat, by the way. Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat in which the lot fell to the scapegoat shall be present alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. And shall bring the bull as the sin offering, which is for himself, and make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall kill the bull as the sin offering, which is for himself. He shall take the censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before the Lord, with his hands full of sweet incense, beaten fine, and bring it inside the veil. He shall put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony. And then if you're reading along with me, what happens if he doesn't? He dies. That's pretty serious. You want to do that right, don't you? Hey, Bruno, would you look over there for the high... There's a bag with a high priest clothing. And there should be a censer in it. Thank you, bro. It's separate. Did you see it over there? Thank you, honey. Yeah, thank you. Don't worry. We'll do it. No one will know. Be our secret. Thanks. That's my wife, by the way. I don't just... Oh, maybe. All right. No, it's truly my wife. There's no maybe in that. I just talk nice to a lot of people. Verse 14. Not that nice, though. He shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it on his, uh, with his finger on the mercy seat on the east side that is before the mercy seat. And he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. How many times does he sprinkle it with his finger? 
Okay, was that a difficult question? Did someone say yes? Thank you, my dear. Then he'll kill the goat for the sin offering. And you see, how, do you kind of get where this is going? Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. He'll kill the goat as a sin offering, which is for the people. Bring its blood inside the veil. And do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull. Sprinkle it on the mercy seat. That is before, so sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. He shall make atonement for the, chil- for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions for all their sins. And he shall do for the tabernacle of meeting which remains among them in the midst of, the un- in the midst of their uncleanness. There shall be no man in the tabernacle of meeting. Notice he calls it the tabernacle of what? Meaning, who is he meeting there if no other man's going to be there? He's meeting God. When he goes in to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out, that he may make atonement for himself, for his household, and all of the assembly of Israel. And he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it, and shall take some of the blood from the bull and some from the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around. Then he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times, cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. If I'm reading quick, forgive me. I'm trying to make sure we get the main gist here. When he has made an end of atoning for the holy place in the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. And he shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions. How long do you think that takes? Concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an uninhabited land, and he shall be released, the goat, in the wilderness. And Aaron shall come into the tabernacle. <laughs> See what I did? This is why I should use just the Bible. Okay, here we go. I should have done. Okay. He shall go into the altar that was before the Lord and make atonement for it. Some of the blood of the bull, the blood of the goats. It says in verse 23, Then Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of meeting, take off those linen garments which he put on when he went into the holy place, and he was going to leave them there. Guys, did you see that? The Lord actually gave us permission to leave our clothes on the floor. Only here. <laughs> only, only here. Don't say, my, my pastor says I can leave them on the floor. I'd say, you should, if, you're, if, you're, if you're that old... So I was just kidding. I was just, was just, wow, okay. And then he shall wash his body with water in a holy place, put on his garments, come out and offer his burnt offering, and the burnt offering of the people, and make atonement for himself and for the people. The fat of the sin offering he shall burn on the altar, and he who released the goat of the scapegoat shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. The bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering whose blood was brought in to make atonement for the holy place shall be carried outside the camp and they shall burn in the fire their skins, their flesh, and their offal. Then he who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and afterward he may come into the camp. This shall be a statute forever for you in the seventh month on the tenth day of the month. You shall afflict your souls and do no work at all, whether a native in your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. For on that day, the priest shall make atonement for you. Notice what it says. To do what? 
to cleanse you, there's our word, that you may be clean from all of your sins before the Lord. It is a Sabbath rest for you. You shall afflict your souls. It's a statute forever. And the priest who was anointed and consecrated to minister as priest in his father's place shall make atonement and put on the linen cloths, the holy garments. Then he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary and he shall make atonement for the tabernacle of meeting and the altar. And he shall make atonement for the priests and all the people of the assembly and shall be an everlasting statue for you to make atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And as and he did as the Lord commanded Moses. Do you get the word that stands out at the end that's repeated? 32, atonement. For 33, he shall make atonement. He shall make atonement. And he shall make atonement. 34, this everlasting statue for you to make atonement. Do you get the idea here? It started with unclean, unclean, clean, unclean, 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 and ends with atonement, 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 atonement. Kafir, the word we get ransom for. That's how it ends. It starts with unclean and it ends with ransom. Imagine you look at your child and you say, you're unclean. You need ransom. But it makes sense to God. Now, if you go, wow, that's so much. The good news is you don't have to perform this particular ceremony. But just for the sake of getting a little bit of depth out of it, let's sort of set things up to the night before and let's kind of play it out a little bit, shall we? Shall we? Okay, thanks. Thanks, Mom. All right. First of all, let's start with this. The high priest. The guy that has to do this particular job called the Kohen Gadol. Say Kohen Gadol. Kohen to this day, if you know anyone with the surname Cohen, he could actually apply, if he could find his Jewish roots, he could apply to be a priest in the new temple that's being built by the Temple Institute. At least all of the furniture is ready. They just don't necessarily have the property at this moment. It takes place after 10 days of repentance. They say sacrifice could only happen with a contrite heart. Psalms 51, 16 through 19 tell us that. And as it's the case, let me tell you, there were, according to 1 Chronicles 27, there were 24 precincts of priests. Precincts, they were broken up. The priests, because there were so many of them, were broken up into 24 sections, kind of like we have 33 boroughs within London. And of those, that means that every half a month, you got to switch, pre, switch the, you know, sort of your precinct. Does that make sense? 24, half of them's 12. So that means every group gets a half a month. As it's the case, they kind of rotate through to burn incense in the places and so forth. But the problem is that by this particular time, and I'm going to move this. Well, I'll actually keep it here. By this time, the high priest was a bidded position. And what that means is that he actually... You got to actually eBay your position because he was a very important guy. Now, as it was the case, you had at this point the tabernacle and God had ordained the first guy. His name was Aaron. Interesting because that guy had just led people astray, if you remember, with the whole golden calf incident. Nonetheless, God has this guy. But by this time, you could actually pay your way into it. Could you imagine politics where somebody could pay for their position? Yeah, yeah, okay, anyways. Um, sorry. I think that that's astounding because, anyways, I could say lots of things, but I, I, I won't. All right, so here's the deal. 
the high priest was a bitted person, somebody gets that position. They get the job of being high priest. And basically what they are for 364 days is they're a rock star. That's what they are. There's somebody that gets to go around and sign pictures and, you know, and you know, sign autographs, take pictures with babies. That's kind of the idea here. They get to go and cut you know, at openings and that kind of stuff. You know, who, who wouldn't want to get their place blessed by the high priest? Oh, but not that one day. See, that's the tough day. If this priest does this wrong, what's the penalty? That, that's pretty serious. This is a serious, hard to get high priest insurance. You know what I'm saying? And the high priest, by the way, now starts going into training a week prior. A week prior to this day on Yom Kippur, he goes through a time where he basically serves as a priest. It doesn't matter what sort of people are on rotation. He's going to be there. He's going to be doing the sacrifices with everyone else. He's going to be working the sacrifices. He's going to be doing the role of a priest. That's the morning and the evening sacrifice. That's the prayings and the benedictions. All of that stuff he's going to do because they want to make sure this guy, everybody wants to make sure this guy does it right. Does that make sense so far? So for a week, he's basically on the job training. I mean, up to this point, he's just basically been a public figure. Now, all of a sudden, the, the, the night before, everything trans, transforms for him. Because at this point now, he starts going through what is called the Lail Ani. Can you say Lail Ani? And what it means is a night of affliction. For the high priest... To properly do his job, he is not going to sleep the night beforehand. That entire night, he is not going to eat. He will be kept awake by a skeletal rabbinical crew, and he'll be read prophetic text after prophetic text, prophetic text after prophetic text, preparing him for this one act. Now, if he blows it, he not only dies, our sins aren't covered. Does that make sense? We really want him to do the job too, because this is the one day that we could be confident something could happen where we could have a visual way to be confident that our sins are covered. So this is an important deal for us too. So we're pretty serious about this. And as this is the case, we begin by having that. So let's just sort of play it out, shall we? First of all, I need a volunteer. And since I can't use one, let's use David today. Everyone say, good morning, David. Uh, We're all aware it's afternoon, but just the same. Okay, everyone, this is David. And David is going to be our high priest, also known as the Kohen Gadol today. Now, the first thing we need to do, by the way, David has, before, he's gone gone through his night. He's had a rough night. Okay, (laughs) Lailani, right? We've been keeping him awake all night. We've been badgering him with prophetic text after prophetic text. It's been a rough night. The roughest, supposed to be the roughest night of his life so far. Does that make sense? And as it's the case now, we've washed him. We've washed him in ways that, like, we've washed his hands and his feet ten times, just to make sure. I mean, by this point, there's no oil left on your hands. They're all wrinkly and pruny and all that. <laughs> and now we have to clothe him. How many pieces of clothing does he need? Does he remember? Four. Now, they all had something in common. Can anyone tell me what they had in common? They were all made out of linen. That's right. And they were made out of linen. So what color were they? Does anyone know? White. The only day of the year where this guy only wears white. The first thing we need to give him are his breeches. So here are your linen breeches. Okay. Make sure that he has his linen breeches. And by the way, you can thank Amina. I mean, someone, a sister from our church that helped cinch them up. Oh, yeah, see? You know, Aaron had that same problem with his boots. You thought he would have come in sandals. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, right. Yeah, go ahead and ride the underground on a day like this in your sandals. That's it, yeah. 
Yeah. Would you want to be the understudy to the high priest, by the way? Because if that guy goes in and dies, well, how does that work for you? Just, yeah. Well done. There yeah. They, they, they breathe well because they're linen. They breathe well. Okay. We have to go with your, with your tunic. Yeah, you want to... Oh, oh, nice. Oh, see, that's, that's very nice. Okay, and here is your... We, we got this right from the royal free. I'm just kidding. We did not. All right. Nicely done. Oh, yeah, look at that. Now, if he runs out of here... Somebody, somebody yell, someone get him his IV. Okay. He needs a linen sash, right? Because we need to make sure that he's properly girded. So let's get the man girded. Oh, look at that. Now you almost look like a friar. That's right. Okay. And then, of course, the last was the turban. And this is just going to seal the deal for you. I just want you to know that. Uh-huh. Now, you probably aren't a turban expert, are you? No, I was about to say. That's okay. Don't worry. You're with a professional here. If you start losing circulation, let me know before you pass out. <laughs> that would be part of the fun here. Um, okay, let's take a look at you here. See, and it's like, ladies, you have... Oh, by the way, remember, girls, when you were like eight and you used to do maybe six, four, when you used to do dress up? We do it as men. Yeah. Okay, there we go. David is now officially ready. Does that make sense? He is now prepared. Now, as is the case, we actually have, we need some animals, right? In the first case, we need two animals. Does anyone remember what those animals are? The bull the bull and a ram. So, let's <laughs> look at this. We happen to have a bull and a ram right here. So come on over here, you two. Don't worry, you can be the ram, Deborah. Not that it makes things any better. Okay. Now, you have, these, these are the things he needs. One of the things he needs for all is he needs a bull and a ram. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> are, you, are you nervous? Yeah, you should be. All right, okay. You need a bull and a ram, but then on the other side, he's going to need some other things on the other side. You know what he needs on the other side? He needs two kids. Come on, come on, come on. You and Naomi, you and Naomi, come on. Two kids, because we need two kids. Come on, come on, Ryu. Don't worry, don't worry, you get to escape. Come on. Come on, Ryu. Come on. Come on. Come on. I love you. Yay. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to... And, and we need a ram. Oh, since you... See, I'm making your sister do it too. See how that works? She can't have you do it. Now, here's the deal. These are all the animals involved. Is that right? Okay. Now, here's the deal. Now, you guys, I want you to know, you are all for them. That's really important. Okay? But this can't happen before this happens. Does that make sense? And the reason is, and actually, to be honest, this. This can't happen before this. 
These two have to wait because this is at the end. So what happens is we've got two sacrifices. You can just sit here. Just, you can be kids right here for the moment. And this is what's going to happen. And you can go and, and be penned up too if you want to for the moment. Okay. Here's where the first thing has to happen. is He has to take the bull and the bull has to be sacrificed, right? Now, I want you just to kind of get a, get a I don't want to say get a visual because I know that would make you a little nervous. But I'd like to figure out, you know how big a bull is? Do you know how tall a bull is? With all due respect to Hugo, a bull is about as tall as he is on all fours. The bull on all fours. And so when he has to cut, and what he has to do is he has to come this way, and he has to cut the throat of this animal. What's going to happen to that blood? Yeah, not only is it going to fall into a bull that needs to be caught, it's going to get all over him. Now, why do you think that's important? Because God wants wants the priest to know that he needs to be covered in blood too. Does that make sense? So this is the first place where you see someone go, I'll cut you. That's where that comes from. Anyways, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, so you've been sacrificed. You can go and have a seat for a moment. Okay. You've been sacrificed. And as it's the case, what's going to happen is the other priest can dress up the rest of the animal for sacrifice later, but he's got a bowl of blood. And he's going to have to take that blood in. But when he takes that blood, that blood in, understand, if he does this wrong, what happens to him? He dies. And here's the problem. If he goes in and dies, who's going to go in after him? Who wants the volunteer to go in after him? Right, so what do we do? Well, we actually have to find some form of safeguard. So what happens is you've got to have some people here. I need a backup. Who wants to be my understudy? Do we have an understudy here? Let's see. Um, yeah, and then you can be the understudy. Yay. Arena, come back over here. She will wear all of those same clothing, although it will be a he in those days, but you know, we're kind of in a world of equality at the moment. But I'm... Just want to make sure that you can, you know, and girls are priests in regards to the way they stand before the Lord. Okay, you have that role too, so here's the deal. This, and this goes lovely with your jumper. There you go. And let's make sure you are girded. And... We got a turban you too. Yeah, of course, because you know you're pretending to be a guy. Mulan, you're like the Mulan of the priests, right? If I could just fight the Mongols. Sorry, just trying to give you that feel. <laughs> All right, see, you can't get this at every church. I just want you to know that. Okay, but hey, you know what? People will say Leviticus. Who goes through Leviticus? How could that possibly be fun? And you could just say, "Shut up." Well, don't say that. That's not very polite. Okay, I'm going to probably have to wrap a couple times because you got a small head. Okay. I think if I can do it like this. <laughs> Don't bite my hand, arm, whatever that is. Okay. Are you still breathing? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, I haven't pulled tight enough. Oh, that didn't work, did it? Come on now. Cooperate with me. Can she see? Just barely? Perfect. Let's see. Oh, yeah. Nice. Wear your brow low. Okay. Now, that doesn't help, but we have to make sure that if he drops, if he drops, we need to make sure that we're not going to go in after him. So what they would do, tradition says, according to the Talmud, that they would tie a rope with a bell to his ankle. But be it's the Christmas season, we thought we'd kind of spruce it up a little bit. So we just thought, 
let's just make sure that we have this taken care of. Dashing through the tab. So here you go. Now remember, he's got to go all the way into the Holy of Holies, and that's a bit mysterious. No, we want to give him the... Well, if we put the bell anywhere near him, he could step on it, and that would hurt his bare feet. I'm just looking out for him. Okay. Okay, I'll just wrap that around your ankle. Okay, let him drag it. Can let him drag it. Okay, good. So here's the deal. Are you with me so far? But he's not only going to offer the bull, the blood of this animal. What is the other thing he's going to offer? Does anyone remember? He's going to offer incense. But the way that he has to do this is that he has to be able to bring, he can't smoke the incense until he gets there. So he takes a bowl of hot coals and he takes the incense. This is a lot to carry, don't you think? Think that through. So say, let's say you've got this sort of thing, and you, obviously the hot coals, that would be really rough if you just had them in your bare hand. Good luck with that. Right? And as he does this, he's going to walk in with this and the blood. And as he goes into this, he's going to go into the Holy of Holies. Now the Holy of Holies is going to be now from this point on mysterious. So as it's the case, he's got to go, he's got to walk through. He's going to walk through the holy place, and that's got our three items. Our table of showbread, the altar of incense, and the lampstand. He's going to go all the way back here now, and it says on the east side. Since you enter in through the east, then clearly he has to be in front of it. Does that make sense? If you're standing on the east, and what he has to do is he has to offer this incense. He puts this is where he mixes the two, and he sets the bowl before him. And he says, you cannot leave here. Until that smoke, you can go ahead and this is where you add it, so you can just put that on the top would be the idea. And as you put that on the top, the smoke will start coming in. Now, what does he look like at this point? He's white covered in blood. Does that make sense? And he's standing before God. Imagine you're standing before God covered in an innocent animal's blood. And you're lighting this incense. This is for yourself. And this incense is going to fill this tiny little room. The size of a large walk-in closet. And as it fills this room, he's going to take the blood and he's going to put it, his finger in a bowl and he's going to go like this seven times. He's pointing now. All right, God, it's you. It's your blood. 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 While he's covered in this blood and he's, this smoke is rising up before him. Do you get that? This is what he's doing. Once a year on the one day when we want to make sure that our sins are covered, this guy is standing there alone. Look at this is not time for group reservation. It has to be alone. And alone, he's going to be there with his hand in the blood going, God, it's your blood. 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 While he's covered in it. And this smoke rises up, this beautiful incense that only can be lit in here and on this. And as it is the case now, he has to come out. But before he does that, now understand this variable. If he does this wrong, what happens? He dies. So how do I know that he did it right? Because he's coming out. Do you get it? It's, It's actually that simple, isn't it? It's just that simple. How do I know the sacrifice was accepted? Because he comes out. Does that make sense? So what happens is, somewhere down the line, you may get a little bit of this. 
because he's there for a moment and he just shakes his leg a little bit and that says he's still there. Everything's still cool, right? We shake, he shakes, we shake. This is our way of communicating from outside the tent. And we're just kind of like, ding, 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 you still okay? Because I don't want to go in. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, no, okay. And he comes out. Now, what do you think is happening with us while he's doing this? We're like holding our breath. Because let's face it, you can't even do our part if he doesn't do his. You get it? Okay, now get this. So he comes back out. Now, what happens the moment he comes out? What do we do? Okay, yeah, give me something for real. If you thought you were right, come on. Okay, good, okay. And guess what? We are now halfway there, aren't we? So he comes back out, and now we have to take our our other ram. And this ram is for who now? It's for the people. That's for you. But he couldn't have done this unless the first one was right. Are you with me on this? So what does he have to do? Again, she's got to be a little shorter. Yeah, you got to cut it. And now think about all the blood. Now he's covered even more in blood, isn't he? His body is covered in his blood. And that is the case now. They have to kind of take care of this. Now, as they take care of all of this, it's happening. Well, wait a minute. This isn't right yet. This is a ram. We don't do that, do we? No, as a matter of fact, we have something else instead. Thank you. Oh, what happened? Did we lose? Did Rue run out at the right time? Okay, well, you have, to, you have to be the understudy goat. Sorry. So come on over here, you two. Does anyone have a red handkerchief? Anything like that? A red piece of fabric? Okay. Oh, perfect. Thank you. You didn't blow your nose in or anything, did you? But if it's you, Lauren, it's probably still sterile. All right. Okay. She's kind of nervous with germs. That's why she loves Leviticus. All right. And this is what they do. They take the two goats and they present them before the Lord. As they, oh, this way, because this is the tabernacle. And as they do, say, Lord, which one of these two have you chosen? And as it's the case, as it's the case, they, they cast lots. They actually throw down two straws. And which one lasts, which one lands? And you go, one of them is called, ready for this? One's called Ladonai. Ladonai. And the other one's called Lachatzel. Ladonai. Chatzel. Not so bad. Okay. Ladonai means to the Lord. Latzazel is the scapegoat or the scapegoat. Okay. Now here's the day. Now, here's the crazy part. The one that's dedicated to the Lord is the one that dies. Isn't that interesting? You'd have thought the one dedicated to the Lord goes free. Oh, no, no, no. The one dedicated to the Lord is the one who has to die. For who? For us. You realize that? This one right here, for us. What do they do with the other one? They take this this red stash, and they cut it, or they rip it. It's either into two or three, people like to argue, but two they can be sure of. One goes on the horn of this animal, and the other part goes on the door of the tabernacle. It goes on the door of the tabernacle because the tradition is, and I can't tell you this is the truth, I cannot tell you this is the tradition, according to the Talmud, which is a collection of verbal traditions in the 500s, it would turn white at the end of this. Until... 40 years before the destruction of the temple. Do you realize when that is? It's the death of Jesus. After the death of Jesus, they said two strange things started happening. One is this stopped turning white, and the other is the doors of the, tab- of the temple at that point kept flying open because you could see that the temple was ripped, the, the veil. Anyways, so that's just kind of fun. Okay, so she's got kind of her little thing here. We're just going to do this. There you go. 
Okay? And, and so this is what's going to happen. This animal has to be slaughtered. And I'm sorry, honey. You've been a great daughter. Um, and as they slaughter the animal now, that's what it is. And the kid is slaughtered. And as the kid is slaughtered, prepared then for it. Um, that one's, thank you, honey. I love you. Go ahead and sit down. And now he's covered in that blood. But he has to take the blood of this now. But you know what he doesn't take with the second one? Incense. Did you find that interesting? That's only with the first. It's still there. All this is happening. And as the incense is still filling the room, you're going to walk into a cloud. Which is interesting. Just like at the end of Exodus when God appeared in a cloud in that same tabernacle when it was first set up. And here you are now. You're going to walk into that cloud. And as you walk into that cloud, go ahead and walk into that cloud. As you walk into that cloud, now how do we know that the sacrifice was accepted? What they're going to do with this animal is, they, is that he lays his hands on it, confesses the sins, and then sends it out and lets it be released. Are you with me on this? And off she goes. And thus, can you see why they call that the scapegoat? Okay, interesting how God set this up. How do we know that this is acceptable? Because he comes out alive again. Do you get it? It's quite simple. So here we are. This is for us now, right? It gets quiet. It gets quiet. It gets quiet. And the moment we see him, Our sins are covered. Do you get it? Okay. Now, he has two more sacrifices to make. The ram and the ram. Does that make sense? The rams, because listen, after this, it's the burnt sacrifices. Not the burnt offering. Remember, the burnt offering has to be the ones where you're saying it, every part of it gets consumed. None of it gets shared with other people to eat. The entire thing is consumed. It's total surrender. Do you get that? Awesome. Have a seat for a moment. Thank you, bro. You and your lovely tail. Okay, now, 1,400 years before Jesus is born, this is what we were doing once a year. Once a year on Yom Kippur, we do this. Are you following me? Okay, now please hear me. Please hear me. It all goes down to whether he can come out alive again. But before that, this is what happens. Sacrifice has to be made. The difference between Jesus and any other is he doesn't have to do the first sacrifice. You know why? Because he's not a sinner. So he doesn't have to offer the first. Does that make sense? The first one was to cleanse him and his family. Jesus didn't have to do that. He was perfect. Tempted in every way yet without sin. The perfect high priest. Are you with me so far? Okay, so follow me on this. While that is the case, then the second thing is we have to bring up the two goats. Two goats stand before the Lord stand before the judge, and what happens is one of them is going to be sent to God as called dedicated to God, the other one on the other hand gets to go free. Does that sound familiar? And that one we know of as son of the father. How do you say that in Aramaic? Oh yeah, Barabbas. Does that sound familiar? Why would Barabbas be set free on this night? He would be set free, of course, because he was the Hatazel, the one that the sins were cast upon but then sent free. So the one that was dedicated to the Lord wasn't Barabbas. It was Jesus. That's why Jesus couldn't have gone free that night because he would have been the Hatazel, but he wasn't. He was the sacrifice. Does that make sense? 
Now hear me as we're almost done with this now. As that is the case, the only thing that's left then is to say, how do we know that the sacrifice was accepted? It's the same thing. How do we know that his sacrifice was accepted? Because he came out alive again. Do you get it? What makes Jesus unique? How do we know that the sacrifice is accepted? Because he went down to the grave, and as he came up again, he came out alive again. It's just that simple. I don't understand how anybody who actually understands the Day of Atonement doesn't get Jesus in that. Because it's that simple. But there's an interesting thing, because after that sacrifice is done, there's one thing left. After he's done that sacrifice and he's come out and we rejoice and go mental because our sins are covered. Because of the ransom paid. That's that word, atonement at the end. And yet after the whole thing, he says, well, wait a minute. And he'll say then, don't touch me. Because you're not supposed to touch that high priest in between that sacrifice and the one of total relinquished, total surrender. As he then offers that total surrender, not only for himself, that ram, but also the one for all of his people, Right? It's interesting because in between Jesus, and by the way, when that is burned on the altar, what we see is this smoke rise up, this big smoke rise up, and we were reminded because we couldn't see what took place in there. What we see then is this big thing ascend, and as we see this ascend, we say, this ascends to you, Lord, this ascends to you, our surrender. Do you hear me on that? You've accepted not only the sacrifice, but you've accepted our surrender. Interesting. Because in between Jesus' resurrection, he will then meet a woman named Mary. Remember this? Thinks he's the gardener, but then realizes it's Jesus. Do you remember what Jesus says to her? He says, don't cling to me. Do you get it? Because I still haven't, there's one thing left to do. I have to ascend to show that it's proper surrender. And so Jesus ascends to show proper surrender. And in between, he says, hey, don't cling on to me. Now's not the time. I'm almost done. Do you get that? And here's the beauty. Let's take that to ourselves for a moment and close this in prayer. Hey, who else has gone to the grave and come out again? Who else has done that and said they were going to be our sacrifice? Who offered, volunteered to pay your sins and mine? And let me just say, I'm just saying, all, of all the people in the universe, who did that? There's one person. His name is? Hey, don't be afraid to say that name. Who is that person? Who offered to pay for your sins? Who said he would be the sacrifice? Who said he would be the ransom? I'm sorry, I, I'm getting a little old, so I need it a little louder. Thank you. Okay, who then took that sacrifice to the grave? Who then came back to prove it was accepted? Who then ascended into heaven to prove that the surrender was enough? So exactly who is it that we should surrender to? Who's our perfect sacrifice? How many options do we have? And what's his name? It's that simple, isn't it? Now, please hear me. Here's the danger when I actually offer up now and I say, all right, God, I've sinned. I need your help. You know what the problem is? Is that when I say, all right, God, forgive me of my sins, I forget about that second part. You know, I'm like, all right, God, forgive me. I really, I, 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 please forgive me quick because I got some things to do and I'm on a train and I really would like you to forgive me quick, please, so I can get to what I'm doing. To sin again and ask for your forgiveness. Well, what if it were instead... God, look at, I recognize that I'm a sinner and I recognize that I've been a fool. I've done something stupid, but look at, I want this to end with surrender. I want this to end with surrender because I want all of me to be consumed by you. 
I want your holy fire to completely burn away me so that all that's left is the smoke that ascends to you. Now, I'm not saying that, the, that sinning would be the best thing that ever happened to you, but the repentance would be. And it would be a little bit more serious. Does that make sense? So look at as we pray. Let me ask you, have you accepted that sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for your sins? I'm not talking about, hey, can you nod and say, yeah, is that good? Yeah, okay, I agree. But I'm saying, have you really said, all right, Jesus, yes, I want that to be the payment for my sins. Have you confessed that? And if you have, then can we celebrate that he's come out alive again? And by the way, he took the old person you were down to the grave and put a brand new person out there to walk out and ascend for surrender. The rest is surrender now, isn't it? Hey, the, our proper response should be surrender now. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much for the beauty of this text. I thank you for the way you've gone before us. And I thank you, Lord, for the way you've loved on us, for the way you've ministered to us. Lord, I thank you for the way you've spoken to us. And Lord, I just pray today, Lord, that you would, even right now, minister. Lord, that you would speak to us even now and just show us, Lord, if we are in a place where we're banking on your grace, but we're not even willing to surrender. Lord, you showed us that there was this this blood on our hands, Lord, this blood that made us guilty. And yet, Lord, in that, you've offered, Lord, us total amnesty. But you want to surrender. You want there to be this place in our hearts where we say, yes, God, we're yours. And so, Lord, please today make us such people that say, yes, Lord, please make us. Lord, please take our surrender now. And let our lives now, Lord, and our surrender rise before you and be a sweet aroma in your throne room. And so, Lord, please, even now, have your way. And Lord, I just confess to you, Lord, that without you, all I am is a filthy sinner, desperately in need of ransom. Because, Jesus, you said, whoever sins is a slave to it. And I need to be rescued. But, Lord, by your great grace... Father, you sent your only son, Jesus Christ, to be the ransom payment, the elasmus, the ransom, so that all of my sins could be completely covered, and not only just covered, but removed. And that's the difference, Jesus, between you and all of the other sacrifices before that. Though they may have been covered before that, you completely removed them. And I thank you for that. So I confess Jesus as my ransom, my payment, my rescue. And in that now, Lord, I just say, May we, as we lift up our voice in the last couple songs, Lord, may we celebrate you as the God who is the perfect kefir, the perfect covering. And thank you that we are forgiven, set free. Jesus, with you as our Savior, our ransom, and as our Lord, we confess you, Jesus, as Lord, and surrender our lives to you. It's the only reasonable act to do. In Jesus' name, amen.